the yearbook sportscast weird places on the internet we got a host doug we got contact info listen buddy it's the internet you gotta find us hey completely unintentionally a complete and absolute coincidence last week we mentioned the actress marion cotillard sometimes called mariel cotillard and then mr birthday so happy birthday, Marion Cotillard, the Paris-born actress who once sat for an interview where the interviewer tried the ho-ho-ho on her, and she was unfamiliar with that phrase, turns 45 today, if today were September 30th. In interviews, if you do enough of them, then with all the talking, something is just bound to go wrong. Something embarrassing is going to happen at some point. It's inevitable, and I am notorious for talking faster than I think. I talk very, very fast, ladies. But I don't think, and I like the guy who was interviewing her, but I don't think even I would have led off an interview with an actual French person with a ho-ho-ho impersonation. The Lightning are Stanley Cup champions, so the Shen brothers do get their back-to-back Stanley Cups and become part of Stanley Cup lore. Uh, Last year, hopefully, actually, hopefully at any point in his life, Braden Shen has said, Luke, I'm not set. Luke Shen is his brother, although the line is actually Luke, blah, 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 I'm not set. Braden Shen was Luke, I'm not set. He'd never won a Stanley Cup in his career until he did with the shocking blues last year. And now his brother Luke Shen won this year's championship with Tampa Bay. So both brothers will have their names engraved on the Stanley cup. And that engraving thing has a lot of cool oddities, including figure this one out, a mother and son who both have their names on the Stanley cup. That is true. And it also involves the lightning sports illustrated correctly picked Tampa Bay to win the Stanley Cup and because of everything going on they made that pick almost a year ago actually let's sidestep that for for a second don't quote me on this because I'm not looking at it this is strictly from memory but I thought a bunch of years ago there was a study of preseason predictions preseason magazines newspapers stuff like that all the preseason predictors there was a study where they took all of them into account and yeah they found that most of them were wrong but I think the bigger point wasn't just that they were wrong. It's that basically predictors just predict the previous year's teams to win everything again. So just for example, they'd say the Lakers win again, or they just pick all of last year's playoff teams to make the playoffs again this year. But Sports Illustrated did correctly pick Tampa Bay to win the Stanley Cup, which from the outside seemed crazy at the time. The Lightning, again, from the outside were the definition of a broken and or fragile team. They were Stanley Cup finalists in 2015, which seemed like only the beginning. But then over the next four years, they lost in the semifinals, didn't make the playoffs, lost in the semifinals, and then not only lost in the first round last year, they didn't win a single game. It looked like Coach John Cooper was so fired for sure, but he wasn't. And then in this summer's playoffs, the Lightning suddenly became everything they had not been. It's not surprising that that led to a Stanley Cup. You have to do those things to win a Stanley Cup. It was surprising that the Lightning, after all this time, could become all of those things. It didn't happen overnight. There was a lot of work. Uh, There were a lot of behind-the-scenes things and acquisitions. But Tampa 
became really, really resilient. They came right back from bad losses. When opponents scored big goals, the Lightning often scored themselves right back almost immediately. They made adjustments from game to game. Successfully, they were great under pressure. They won six high-tension games in overtimes. Uh, They weren't superstitious. Hockey superstition holds that when you win the conference championship and qualify for the Stanley Cup Finals, the commissioner presents the conference championship trophy to you, but you do not touch that trophy. That's because that trophy is the second prize. That's the consolation prize. You don't touch it. You glare at it and then skate away as fast as you can. Do not touch it. A lot of teams will not touch that trophy. They want the big one, the Stanley Cup. Well, in 2015, the Lightning avoided the conference championship trophy and lost in the finals. So this year, the players literally said screw it and they touched the heck out of the conference championship trophy and they still won the Stanley Cup finals Uh, they didn't get drawn into any distractions or sideshow stuff by opponents they played great everything Tampa was so good you realize that you forgot how good they are three different guys could be Tampa Bay's best player. Literally and figuratively huge defenseman Victor Hedman won playoff MVP. A lot of people think unheralded but amazing scorer Braden Point is actually the Lightning's best player. And then there's somehow unheralded goalie Andre Vasilevsky, who was stellar. Vasilevsky is even overshadowed by the Lightning's former best player, Steven Stamkos, who barely played. He played only three minutes the entire summer, but remains due to injury, but remains Tampa's spiritual leader. So maybe you think he's their best player. As far as the finals with the Stars, that series with the Stars was actually a case study in the evolution of a seven-game series. Unless you don't like hockey, then it was a bunch of games. and Somebody won. I'm not sure who. Anyway, before the series, it was said about the Stars, the Lightning haven't seen speed like this before. And in game one, Dallas's speed clearly bothered Tampa Bay, as did fatigue, and Dallas pummeled the Lightning physically. The Stars won the game. But after the halfway point of Game 2, the speed and physical stuff suddenly no longer had any effect, and the Lightning won the next three games. In the Game 6 clincher, the Stars' Corey Perry unintentionally misread the room. Not his fault. He was just playing hockey. He totally cleanly laid a monster hit on Tampa Bay's Mikhail Sergachev, which woke up the Lightning, who then won the Cup. Says in the yearbook at Hotmail.com, if you want to get in touch, Major League Baseball playoffs, what in the name of Chris Colabello are the Blue Jays and all those other snake lights doing in the playoffs? The Blue Jays, Twins, White Sox, Indians, Rays, Marlins, Reds, Brewers, and yes, the Athletics all made the playoffs. There's a whole posse of them. Every single one of those teams has a payroll below the Major League Baseball average. In English, we're always complaining that baseball parity is a sham. But this year, nine of the 16 playoff teams are poor teams. Three playoff teams are among the six poorest in all of baseball. The Cinderella's outnumber the heavyweights, which to me anyway is exactly what baseball needs, having been so predictable that in the last 25 years, there have been two surprise world champions. There are a couple of disclaimers. Uh, Only two of the little guys beat all the big guys head-to-head to to finish first in their division, the Athletics and the Rays, 
And three of the surprise contenders, the Twins, White Sox, and Indians, all come from the American League Central, a division comprised entirely of teams with small payrolls. So it literally, it actually was impossible for a Cinderella to not win that division. But you can't blame them for that. I mean, what are those teams supposed to do? Defect? Uh, Nonetheless, for the first time in seven or eight years or something, the playoff field has more than just a handful of small fries. Now, will any of them outlast the seven rich teams? Have you ever seen one of those NFL films things or even a documentary where they spend the whole time talking about how every minute of every day a particular player dominated the game like never before and everyone saw it? And you think back and you're like, yeah, he or she was great. But there were definitely games I watched where they barely mentioned his or her name. Well, IndyCar driver Scott Dixon this season basically actually became an actual NFL Films legend actually dominating the circuit every minute of every day. Dixon has already won five points championships, and he's leading in points again this year with three races left. He opened the season by winning the first three races, and he's been doing all this at both the age of 39 and 40. His birthday was midseason. And uh, once again, this podcast just weirdly all by itself just goes off in its own weird direction on its own. And it gives itself a theme. This time it's become a birthday episode all of a sudden. Or a Tampa Bay episode. But what really made Dixon a living documentary on his own greatness is in 2020, the other drivers have actually started randomly just talking about Dixon unsolicited in their own interviews. That only happens in the movies. They keep casually mentioning Dixon's name out of amazement as those drivers, during their own screen time, their own post-race interviews, wonder how Dixon is so consistently good, how he stays away from wrecks, how he never, ever screws up, and how can they have a Dixon-type run at a race? But then right in the middle of Dixon actually achieving fictional movie hero status, like at the exact same moment, he makes an uncharacteristic, unforced, and huge mistake for the first time since anyone can remember. With his points lead shrinking at Mid-Ohio recently, Dixon spun out on his own and went from potential race winner or podium finisher to 20th place. But then Scott Dixon just snapped back to being Scott Dixon and furiously rallied, even passing just one more crucial opponent on the final leg of the final lap to finish 10th and not lose as many points as he could have. Yeah, this all seems about right for Dixon's deceptively colorful career. You know, sports is full of colorful characters, real colorful characters, but even Dixon's old IndyCar media guide bios, and that's, you know, that's driver publicity, that's driver propaganda. Those bios said he's a driver who prefers to stay under the radar and let his driving do the talking, and yet he's had a very colorful career. Uh, Dixon now is constantly being called the greatest driver of his generation, even though just eight years ago, someone else was being called the greatest driver of Dixon's generation. This shouldn't take anything away from Dario Franchitti. Dario Franchitti was excellent, a Hall of Famer. Franchitti did have to retire early due to injuries. What would he have done had he been able to stay in the circuit? And maybe you would even consider Franchitti to be of a different generation because he's seven years older than Dixon. But for the first 10 years... Of Dixon's so far 17-year career, Frank Keedy was being called the absolutely, the obvious, the hands down, no debate, no doubt about it, greatest driver who ever lived of his generation. 
it took several years after that, and no one seems to recall that they were calling Frank Keaty the exact same thing. But now Dixon is the absolute, the obvious, the hands down, no doubt about it, no debate about it, greatest driver who ever lived of his generation, which we agree with, by the way. Uh, Dixon was also the most prized IndyCar free agent back in 2018. But already at age 38 then, who is going to sign him? Yes, but for how long? His own team re-signed him before Dixon hit the market, but how long is still a mystery, although obviously Dixon is still here. Anyway, if you don't follow IndyCar, Dixon leads last year's champion, Joseph Newgarden, this year by 72 points. If and Dixon finishes within several places of Newgarden over the last three races, so Newgarden finishes second, Dixon finishes eighth, uh, then Dixon's going to win points title number six. If Newgarden wins a couple of races and Dixon has two really, really off days, Newgarden could be in first going into the last race. Realistically, Newgarden needs to finish first or second in each of the last three races while hoping Dixon finishes 15th or worse in each of the last three races. It could happen. You just never know.